Daystar, how be doing? Welcome to another podcast. And first of all, I'd just like to thank everyone who's got in touch and sent messages in the last week. Um, we've had some lovely comments and a few have suggested that perhaps we do a question and answer podcast. And yep, this is something that we'll definitely do in a few weeks time. Um, I've got a few ideas for podcasts, but um, I'll keep in touch and let you know when um, when we're going to do that. As you can imagine, from 1983 until today, I've got so many stories, really, um, and memories of, of things that have happened with funerals and, and with life. But um, I would think 95% of them I will actually take to the grave with me. Um, there are a few funerals that perhaps I could talk about, and today's podcast is actually one of those, um, as it's always been in the public domain and was one of the most high-profile funerals that we've conducted, and it's that of the late Sir John Betjeman. A mutual friend got in contact with us um, to say that Sir John was poorly, and just a few days later, Sadly, he did pass away. Um, the plan was to have a small private funeral and a burial down here at St Enadoc, followed by a memorial service up in London. For those of you that don't know St Enadoc, tis Ansem. It's a beautiful little church nestling between the fairways of St Enadoc Golf Course. Um, tis tucked in behind Damer Bay, which is one of my favourite beaches. And is at the foot of Bray Hill. Um, for anyone that, that doesn't know, Bray is spelt B-R-E-A in this case. And that is the Cornish word for hill. The church itself has quite an interesting history, actually. Um, I think from the 16th century to the middle of the 19th century, it was almost completely covered in sand. The sand dunes had kind of taken over. You couldn't even see the door, the windows. Um, but legally, they had to hold at least one service a year in the church to keep it open. So once a year, um, the vicar and I think some of the parishioners had to actually clamber into the church via a hole in the roof and get down and, and hold a service to, to stay open. The funeral for Sir John took place in May 1984. The day before and the day after, the weather was handsome, but um, the day of the funeral, well, it was rough as router. Um, we had strong winds, heavy rain. We did have permission to drive the hearse quite close to the church, really, but um, it was decided with the large numbers of the press and the television cameras there that um, perhaps it would be nice if I tucked the hearse out the way and then we would walk up the fairway up towards the church, um, you know, like it had been done decades before. The bearers were um, carrying on the poles, which I call the Cornish way these days, but um, I don't know if it's all parts of Cornwall that have carried this way, um, but definitely in our area, this has always been the way that um, coffins have been carried. And I've heard also in remote parts of Wales, they carry the same way. But um, I don't think there's many places in the UK that do carry like we do. 
for anyone who isn't familiar with this, um, if you go on our RJ Bray website or Facebook page, there are a few photos there that you can see. Um, we've got the, the photo there of Sir John's funeral, which um, it was lovely, really. We, we got in touch with the Daily Telegraph because they, they actually took that photo and they sent us down a copy at the time. Um, also there, there's a photograph of Tony Morton Nance's funeral um, as we were carrying the coffin through Travone and... Tony, some may know, but Tony actually created the um, Cornish National Tartan. And I can always remember, um, I used to sit next to him quite often at funerals in Travone, in the chapel there. And he would always say the Lord's Prayer in Cornish. And I used to love that. I used to find that quite mesmerising, really. And also on the website, there's a, a picture of a so soldiers actually carrying a coffin, and that's from the the tragic events in World War Two in Bodmin, when the German bombers actually um, did bomb the town, and it was the neighbourhood where my father was living at the time. Um, he knew the family um, that were killed. It was the Sergeant family, and I think there were nine of them that sadly lost their lives. Um, I think they were there for a birthday party or something, and. Um, very sad, very sad. For our family, we were just so fortunate that that day, Father was actually down here in Wade Bridge um, visiting his Grand Hodge um, when the bombs dropped. Otherwise, he, he might have not survived. Going back to um, carrying on the poles, I can remember my grandpa Sid Bray talking to me about this many years ago. Um, when he was growing up in Withiel. Although my grand's side of the family were living here in Eglisale, and then they moved across the river up to Trevanion Road before, well, we've still got some cousins now that have gone further up the road up to Berlorn. But um, on the actual Bray side of the family, um, we pretty much Withiel. Uh, I think you can trace us back there to about the 1700s. And with me being born here in Wade Bridge, um, I was the first of our line not to be born in the Withiel Parish. But Grampy said when he was young, um, back then there were no chapels of rest. So when somebody passed away, they would stay in the house. And on the day of the funeral, all of the local men of the village and the area would actually form relays of four from the house to either the church or the chapel and sometimes that could be over a couple of miles it could even mean carrying through fields and they would take it in turns carrying on the poles which is easier because height doesn't matter so it meant that everyone in the in the village and the relatives could all take their part to carry to the funeral down here now i would say that Shoulder carrying is starting to get a little more common, but um, if we're going into church or definitely for churchyards and cemeteries, we still offer the poles. Um, as we still get a lot of funerals where family and friends like to carry the coffin, and it's it's a lot easier. And I say you you haven't got to be the same height. Father had arranged Sir John's funeral, and as ever, he, he made sure that everything was planned until the last detail. 
the only worry we really had was the grave. As I started working with Father, the previous grave digger for that area, Ernie Worden, was just coming to the end of his grave digging career. He was such a strong man and he had his own way of getting around the problems of digging graves at St Anadoc. Um, as I mentioned, the church is set in sand dunes and if the grave is dug too early, um, there is a big risk that the sides would cave in. Now, these days, they're in a problem like that. Um, the grave digger we've got for that area now, Alan Roberts, he's got all the gear, he got the shuttering, so we would never have that problem. But back then, we didn't have that equipment, um, so it was a little bit of a worry. However, Ernie had his own solution to this problem. Um, as we would be carrying the coffin into church, with the family following behind, there would be no sign of a grave whatsoever. And you'd look up in the corner, and there would be Ernie leaning on his shovel, looking very relaxed. As soon as the last mourner went into church, he would then start digging. And by the time the service was over, we would come out and there would be a perfectly finished grave covered with our grass mats all ready for the burial. Now, Ernie had retired by the time it was Sir John's funeral and with all the press attention, the days running up to the funeral, it was obvious that, you know, we couldn't leave the dig until the last day. And I think the grave was actually dug two days before the funeral. And you can imagine, Father and I, we were very anxious about the grave caving in, A, before the funeral, but even worse, as the bearers were carrying the coffin over the grave. But thankfully, all went well, and the, apart from the weather, the, the funeral went perfectly. Just on a, a side note before I finish, um, I'd been working with Father for about a year when we had this funeral, and before that I'd attended St Austell Sixth Form for two years, um, do a couple of A-levels, economics and English literature. And one of my main English tutors there, um, he was called Bryn Byrne. He was a lovely little chap, Irish chap. He was a lovely chap. But he did say to me once, he said, Bray, with your Cornish accent, he said, there is no way at all that you'll ever achieve anything in the field of English literature. So after Sir John's funeral, uh, the next time I was out St Austell Way, I did make a point of popping in the sixth form and seeing him in between lessons. So uh, we had a little yarn and he asked how I was doing. And I said to him, do you remember what you said to me at the time? He said, well, yeah, I think I do. I said, well, I said, you said to me that I would never achieve anything in the field of English literature. And I said, I've come here today just to say that I've proved you wrong. So he looked at me a bit puzzled and he said, well, how do you think that then? So I said, well, just to let him know, I said, um, we've actually just buried the Poet Laureate. So um, it did make him smile. Um, but uh, that's the, the end of the story for today, really. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be thinking I've got one planned for next week. I I wasn't too sure what to do, really, but I was out with Mervyn Walker today, and he, he did give me an idea. So uh, I think I've got next week's planned for Furry to listen to. But until then, I wish you well and speak again. Do get us.